Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Why Not Us College Hoops Edition podcast here on Spotify. My name is Adam Glick, joined as always by Josh Spate. We are now less than two weeks until conference tournaments, less than two weeks until the month of March. Josh, how are we feeling? It's getting really exciting. Things are getting steamy in college basketball. A lot of crazy action, lots of big games. Most teams only play two games a week every week. So you can do some math and say even the Power Five conference teams only have about five games left in the regular season. Every single one of those games is going to count. I don't care if you're a lock. I don't care if you're not close. Every game counts. If you're a lock, seeding is on the line. If you're on the bubble, obviously you're, you know, tournament hopes are on the line and if you're a team that's not going to make the tournament well you could make things interesting for teams that are trying to so this is crunch time we've been talking about february but the back end of february right before conference tournaments for the mid-majors so much is at stake yeah you said it so much is at stake it's super exciting but we obviously have to talk about our team first the texas longhorns yesterday or on tuesday they played oklahoma University, a big, big 12 tilt spread was about even great game, went to overtime, Texas able to win in an absolute dogfight, 80 to 78. And really the Longhorns needed that kind of win on the road, only their second true road win of the season. Now at 19 and seven, trying to be in that top four seeds, as we'll, we'll talk about in a second on the top 16 reveal coming Saturday. But Josh, what do you see in this Oklahoma game? And how confident were you that they were going to pull this one out? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I was super confident. Look, yeah. this Texas team, especially when they're on the road, and especially against a good team, as we've seen throughout the year, is capable of blowing games. And in the second half, they really tried to do that, falling apart offensively down the stretch. You know, we should talk about Trey Mitchell, who yes. may not be coming back to the team. He's dealing with some personal health issues. And not having a big man is going to hurt. But I did like the fact that Christian Bishop stepped up a lot. I think between him, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, and Andrew Jones, they had well over 80% of the team's points, which is very new. We've seen them have a lot more disbursement. But you know what? At least they didn't blow it in regulation. They went to OT. They made some crucial free throws. And I liked what they had. This Oklahoma team, you know, they're sitting right on the bubble. That was a huge game for them. The fact that we were able to go to Norman, sweep them on the year, and assert ourselves against a team that's been okay to good at times. Definitely helps me feel a little better about our fact that about this team, you know, not winning road games. You can win a road game every once in a while. What did you think? Yeah, I was honestly really impressed as you talked about just the top four guys that led us in scoring. We haven't seen this all year. Allen had 20, Bishop had 16. Carr had 16, and then Jones had 20. I mean, those scoring numbers we haven't seen all year. These guys are scoring maybe 10, on average, around 10 points a game. And they got to the line a lot, which was great. They made their free throws when it counted. And, you know, just a gutsy win. You, it doesn't have to be pretty on the road, but you got to find ways to win games like this. For OU, that was just heartbreaking. They really needed that win for their tournament hopes. It's going to be really hard to get in now at 14 and 12, but – Big win for Texas, and now the schedule allows them. I mean, it's hard, don't get me wrong, but the next three games, all very winnable games. Obviously, Texas Tech on Saturday, we're about to talk about. It's going to be a monster, monster game. But 
they have an opportunity to get a top four seed, even a three seed possible if they do well down the stretch. And this is a win that they had to have. They haven't had a big road win really all year. I was really impressed. And you talk about Trey Mitchell. That's going to be an an issue. I don't know how long it's going to be. There's obviously not a lot of time until the tournament, but if he's out, Dylan D'Souza is going to have to step up. Christian Bishop's going to have to step up. And, you know, our strength of the team this year has really been scoring in the paint because we've really been a team that can't shoot from the outside. And we didn't shoot well again from the outside against OU, but we'll see. But going into this Texas Tech game, Josh, what are you expecting? Texas Tech just looked – I watched the game last night. They looked really, really good against Baylor. They're an animal at home. And Chris Beard said during his presser day, they're the most talented team in the Big 12. <laughs> did he actually say that? He did say that. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, there's there's a couple of keys to this game, just kind of looking back how we played Tech, which, you know, we were never really in that game in Lubbock. First off, it's turnovers. You know, out the gate of that game, we look sloppy. We look scared to be there. We look like we were just going to absolutely bend over with all of the scary yelling, the blackout of – United Supermarkets Arena and screaming profanity at the team and Chris Beard for coming back. I'm not sure we will ever be able to recreate an environment like that, even when we move to the Moody Center, but you're at home. You're in the Frank Irwin Center. You've proven that you can beat top teams there. This is a winnable game for you. You know, Texas has been playing very well lately. I thought they looked not good at all against Baylor, but a road game at Waco, I'm not going to fault them for that. They Kind of made a push at the end there, but it was a tough game, right? This is the kind of game that is a true test for me as a Texas fan. Can you take Texas Tech on your home court? Are you going to turn the ball over 14 times? I sure hope not. Can you turn Texas Tech over 14 times and turn those into points? That's been the recipe for success all year. And then as you alluded, we've been having issues with the three-pointer. Shot the ball 26% against Tech from three. Cannot have that. What we should instead be doing is a game plan like we had against Kansas where we're having those turnovers. We, you know, couldn't make the three either, but you know what? Long possessions, turning Kansas over, taking good shots, making our free throws. That is a good way to play. And if our defense can step up against this tech team, they are scary. They definitely are. And the fact that Chris Beard said that is kind of interesting. Not sure what I, if that's what I want to hear in a presser in the week before, but there's going to be a lot that's going to have to go right for this Texas team. And that's what you're going to get out of the NCAA tournament. So huge test game for us. Yeah. The environment's going to be insane. Not as crazy as it was at tech, but a ton of tech fans are coming down to Austin for this game. It's not going to be a true home environment. Let me tell you that. But as you talked about it again, just, get the ball inside, get to the free throw line. And in that Kansas game, we had 15 or 17 more shots than them during the game Mm -hmm. because we forced turnovers. We actually did well on the boards. That's how you win games, take more shots than the other team. And maybe more will go in. So, but my thing I'm calling this game, if we're going to win, this is how we're going to win. Stop the mid major transfers (laughs) in the Texas tech, Texas game. Kevin O'Banner had 17 from Oral Roberts. Bryson Williams had 16 from UTEP and Davion Warren, who's incredible as well, had 10 from Hampton, who averaged 21 last year. Stop those three guys. You have a good chance. Kevin O'Banner has been on an absolute tear the last few games. He's going nuts. 
yeah, another crazy game last night against Baylor. He's just everywhere at once. He gets every roll on a three-pointer I've ever seen. But we're at home. We've done really well all year at home. I think we only have one loss in the Irwin Center so far this year. Yeah, who was that to? K-State. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it happens. Don't get me wrong. But this is a huge game. And also, not just we can finish in that top three in the Big 12 by winning this game. And if, if you can finish in the top three, we could avoid playing Texas Tech in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. I don't think that's going to happen. If you look at the way that the, the Big 12 standings look right now, I honestly think as long as we're in the top four, we're fine. Because yeah, we'll place five, three probably. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's likely gonna be us, Baylor, Tech, and Kansas. Not in that order, at, honestly. Yeah. But as long as we're in the top four, then you're playing a K State or a TCU in that four-five game. Three-six, yeah. you're looking at maybe Iowa State if they creep up and beat out TCU. But likely one of those two teams. But obviously, you know, I'd like to finish a little higher than fourth. Yeah, and we're we we can we're more than talented to do so. I'm super excited for this game. I have to get there super early to get in. I don't even know, probably two hours before. That's going to be a tough morning for you. That's an 11:30 a.m. tip. That is a yeah, very early morning. We'll see how the drinking goes on Friday night, but very excited for the game. Hopefully, Texas can win, and it'll be very exciting because the reveal will be going on during the Texas Texas Tech game. It'll be interesting to see if they fall into that 16. So let's talk about this top 16 reveal that they do every year now, last couple of years, doing it a week after the Super Bowl. This is what the com- this is the actual committee that does the top 16. And usually, if you're in the top 16, the committee is going to look very high on your resume, especially those teams that are teetering on the four or five seed line. So if Texas gets in, I think that's a very good sign going into March on how they look at us as a team. So Josh, what are your kind of your expectations along that last few teams? Who are you expecting to get that four seed kind of range? So it's definitely going to be interesting with teams like Alabama, you know, UCLA, Michigan state teams that throughout the year have been kind of difficult to predict. Michigan state just dropped a brutal loss to Rutgers. Who's a team that we'll talk about. But, you know, those teams are definitely right there. Texas, very much so. Joe Lenardi has them as number 16. Houston is definitely going to be a team. Bring them up. Yeah. yeah, definitely a team that I'm curious about. Jerry Palm dropped them at one point in time to a seven seed after back-to-back losses for the first time in a million years. They're back up to a six now in his book. So they'll be interesting to monitor. I just I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I, I think maybe Tennessee has basically solidified themselves in the top 16 after beating Kentucky. They were right there. Who are some of the teams that you're looking at? I mean, I'm curious. I want to see where Providence gets put. I mean, they've had an incredible year. Obviously, just lost a heartbreaker to Villanova, but they only have three losses on the year 21-3 and could still win the big east. Can they get to the two line? I don't know. Maybe they're a three seed. Not anymore. But- yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see the top four seeds. Is it going to be Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kentucky, or does Purdue get in over Kentucky? No, I like Kansas as the fourth. Okay, Kansas. Interesting, yeah. So that's I'm interested to see the one seeds. And then 
the last I'm interested also can Wisconsin are they going to be in the top 16 I think they should be they have a really good resume but they obviously they lost to Rutgers last week well okay let me ask you this do you like Wisconsin or Illinois more right now Illinois Illinois has been better in the Big Ten, but they started off kind of rocky in the non-conference. But I'm, if you look at the standings, I'm pretty sure there's like a four-way tie right now in the Big Ten ranks. And with I think Illinois is one of those teams as well. Um, yeah, you're right. Illinois and Wisconsin have the same in-conference record. Yeah. So I don't even know if I like Illinois more than Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been great in conference with the exception of losing to Rutgers. Common yeah. theme among the top teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, but it will, it will be exciting. And the cool thing about it is after they do the reveal, they'll use Jerry Palm's rest of the bracketology to show the rest of the bracket. As it Like goes that. Out. Big fan of that. And uh, Seth Davis always likes to do some crazy upsets on the show. Very exciting. But let's get to, I mean, this is what makes, I think, the tournament leading up to the tournament so exciting is the bubble. And this year, as it seems like every year, the bubble, there's so many teams, and a lot of teams just refuse to win, refuse to get off the bubble, and they just like being on it. It's just a huge amount of teams, 20 teams, I think you could say, are on it right now. And it's more than that. Yeah, it's crazy. You have mediocre teams, as we always have from the Power Fives. You have some really good teams from mid majors that have some questionable losses in conference. How do you stack them up? So let's talk about two games happening tonight josh that have huge bubble implications double bubble trouble i will call them for tonight let's start with iowa and michigan in the big 10 where do you see these two teams right now and who do who do you think needs this win more honestly i think michigan needs this win more you know just based on the way that quad one works, Iowa doesn't have a quad one win all year, but because Michigan's outside the top 25, a home game for them still means this is a quad two game. So Michigan is two and seven in quad one. They want to beef that up. If they get a true road win in conference, that's something that they've had difficulty doing all year. They've only done that at Indiana and Penn state so far in conference and Nebraska, if you count that. So that would be a huge win for them. And just in general, this Michigan team, we've talked about it. They're 13 and 10. You know, they've got a few quality wins. They absolutely walloped Purdue last week, which was shocking. But come on, you're 13 and 10. How many more losses realistically can you take down the stretch of your season? After you have this game, you still have to go to Wisconsin and Ohio State, as well as hosting Illinois and Iowa. I mean, realistically, between those games and a home game against Rutgers, none of those are gimmies. You probably have to win at least four of those games. And then you're 17 and 12 going into the conference tournament. Maybe you win two games and lose one and you're 19 and 13. And the committee likes that number. But that is really tough. So if they're 13 and 11 after tonight, they're in a bad place. And if I'm Iowa, you know, the record is good. But who have they beaten all year? No one, not a single. They have a win against a tournament probable team this year. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at their quad two wins. They beat Virginia on a neutral uh, at Virginia. That's probably Indiana at home. That's probably their only win against a tournament team at the moment. And Indiana's on the bubble. Yeah. Then that's my point. Right. So 
if, if, if I'm Iowa, go out there and prove that, you know, I'm actually worth being talked about when you're 0-6. They don't have any bad losses. They don't have any bad no, losses. All their losses are quad one, and then they have one quad two loss to Rutgers. No, Penn State in double overtime. Yeah, Penn so, State's been – they've been winning at home every single game, it seems like. They're like Rutgers, except yeah. not – in contention for making a tournament. So yeah, bigger game for Michigan. Iowa can afford to lose this, but obviously double bubble trouble. You don't want to lose this game. Yeah, I agree. I think Michigan needs to win the magic number. As I've said it before, five games over 500 to get at large consideration. It has only happened once in the last 30 plus years that a team with four wins or less over 500 has made an at large. I think the 2001 Georgia team, and they had, I think, seven or eight quad one wins, and they were all incredible. I don't know. But that's the magic number. You said it. Michigan really needs to win. But the Big Ten's a gauntlet of a schedule. You look at Iowa. You lose this game if you're Iowa. you got to go to Ohio State next week. you got to play Michigan State. you got to go to Michigan again. And then you got to play at Illinois to finish your season. You're in trouble as well, losing at home. And this would be a quad two loss for Iowa. So – it's that's why it's called double bubble trouble. But Did they reschedule the Ohio State road game? Iowa, yeah, they did. State? they did. Okay, yeah. so that's rescheduled for oh, this weekend, Saturday. You're right, you're right. Yeah. That's a huge, huge stretch right there. Yeah, so it's honestly that's it's gonna be tough. I don't think Michigan's gonna get in, honestly. I think Iowa will sneak in at the end of the day. I don't know how good they really are, other than Keegan Murray, but we'll see. Let's go to the mid-major double-bubble trouble, St. Mary's in San Francisco tonight. St. Mary's at the moment, according to my sources, not quite yet on the bubble. They're in good standing, a six, seven seed range right now. They could afford a loss, but San Francisco, last four in, last four buys, next first four out, kind of just gray area territory. They really need a quad one win like this one. They've had St. Mary's beat at home. They were up 20 plus points earlier in the year and they blew that game. And they also have a quad four loss to Portland Yep, last week, but they rectified it with a quad one win at Santa Clara two days after weird team. We've seen it all year with these crazy resumes. San Francisco really needs this win. Josh, if they don't get this win, do you see a path for San Francisco to get into the field? No, I'm going to be honest because you're not going to beat Gonzaga at home. I don't care if, yeah. if, if they win that game. Okay. Then I'm wrong, but they have to beat Pacific and San Diego on the road. If you don't beat either both of those teams, you don't deserve to make it because you can't have any more bad losses besides that one to Portland. My God, you gotta go to Moraga and win. It's, Plain and simple. St. Mary's can afford to drop this game, especially if they go beat BYU at home on Saturday. That would rectify it. They still have Gonzaga at home. Gonzaga low-key is a, a tough stretch. But looking at these two teams here, San Francisco with that quad four loss, you are on the thinnest of ice with the committee. you got to go out and win this game, especially after blowing it the first time. This is the time to get vengeance. Honestly, I think St. Mary's is going to blow them out of the water. Wow. Spread is at three points. I could easily see it. St. Mary's has the more experience. They've been in this situation before, but 
both of these teams have really tough stretches to end the year, especially St. Mary's. I could easily see St. Mary's getting really close to bubble territory if they're able to lose to San Francisco and BYU back to back. Probably the best case though for the conference. But yeah, <laughs> I think there's a small chance if, if San Francisco lost tonight and they won the rest of their games other Gonzaga, then you have to beat St. Mary's or BYU in the conference tournament. And as long as you make it to the finals, maybe there's a chance, but it's going to be dicey when you have a quad four loss. So they got to win. I'm rooting for them to win. Hopefully they do. Jameer Bouye can shoot the lights out from the gym. So hopefully he does that tonight. Let's talk more bubble teams. And oh, some boy. of these bubble teams want to take interesting decisions in losing <laughs> games like last night in North Carolina in Chapel Hill, which we're, everyone was talking about in college basketball. North Carolina's going to get in because they don't have any losses outside the quad one. So what did they do last night to Pittsburgh at home? They lose and they got blown out. They made the score a little close at the end, but they were getting blown out at halftime. That's a quad four loss, quad three. It depends on the new net rankings with Pittsburgh, but they don't have any good wins. What do you do if you're the committee with North Carolina? They have to win some of these games at some point. No, they don't. They don't have for, to. I'm for their sure. own sake, they do. If they want to make it, if they lose, if they lose at Virginia Tech on Saturday, because Got that's it. their truly last regular season opportunity to win a quad one game, unless somehow they can go to Cameron Indoor and win at Duke as their finality, which is like not going to happen. If that happens, if you lose to Virginia Tech and Duke, you go 0-9 in quad one in the regular season. I'm sorry. <laughs> That quad three loss just upended you. We talked about this team. We compared them to Wagner, who since has also had a quad three loss. But yeah. you can't you can't put this team in the field with no quad one wins. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so North Carolina. We talked about the West Coast double bubble trouble. Another team right there on the cusp. Joe Lenardi is about to bump them out into the, the first four out tonight if a team that we'll talk about next wins. BYU. They have a weird resume. They have a very good quad system resume when it comes to mid-majors. But where do you see this team? We've talked about this team. They've had an incredible non-conference schedule, but they also have a quad four loss at Pacific. So it's like, what do we do with this team? Down the stretch, they go to St. Mary's and they've got you know cupcake games against Loyola Marymount and Pepperdine. Honestly, if they lose to St. Mary's, they just have to make the conference championship and lose to Gonzaga. If they can do that, I think they're still in. I said it before, I like the chances that this team has just based on their non-conference schedule more than some of the other West Coast teams in the bubble. Yeah, and I think they have the kind of the branding name compared right. to St. Mary's or San Francisco, especially San Francisco. Okay, I agree. I think BYU needs to get to the conference finals if they don't beat St. Mary's. If they beat St. Mary's, I think they're in if they win the last three games of the regular season. Okay. Oregon, really bad non-conference. They look horrible. I saw them in Vegas in the Maui. Just awful. But Dana Allman, he aligns Rubik's Cubes better than anyone, and they're back in it. But then they took some really questionable losses the last couple weeks, especially losing to Cal by double digits at home. How do you see Oregon? Yeah, this team has three quad three losses. That's unbelievable. Like for, for a power five team, you have no excuse doing that, especially with Dana Altman at the helm. Look, 
They have an absolute gauntlet between this Saturday and next Saturday. They have to go to Tucson, play the number three team in the country, Arizona. And then they have home games the following week against UCLA and USC in Eugene. That is going to be, that's going to be unbelievable. This team also then has to go to both teams in Washington, Washington State's 46 in the net. That's a quad one game too. Like you've got many opportunities to redeem yourself. They're two and three in quad one, which is not horrible. If you can win at Arizona State tonight, which is absolutely a must. You lose that game. I don't understand how the committee puts you in. If you can win maybe three of your final five, I think four. I mean, Arizona State, and then you guys, I think you guys sweep the Washington schools. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say three of the remaining five. So four and two in the last six. Yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Yeah. I think you definitely have to, you definitely need to pick up at least one win against Arizona, UCLA and USC. You can't lose to all three of them. Yeah. So if you go one and two, then you got to beat everyone else. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the roadmap. And frankly, I think beating UCLA or USC at home should be expected of a team that's going to be performing in the PAC 12. Yeah. And I agree. And I think at the end of the day, I think they're going to sneak in. They always, they always do. It's like a 12 seed and they win. Kind of like Syracuse, even though Syracuse this year is not going to make it, but we'll see with them. Okay, last I last team because it will, we could do this forever. Memphis, what do you do with Memphis? They have come on as of late, winning at Houston. They've been winning. They won at Cincinnati the other day. What do you do? I still like SMU more than Memphis, even with SMU's recent loss. I know that Memphis has been on a tear. They've won six straight games, but the three games before that, they lost to. UCF, East Carolina, and SMU. They've got two quad two losses. They're pretty good in quad one. The only way I see this team going in is if they sweep Houston and win at SMU on Sunday. Okay, I I agree. I think Memphis is in the questionable position. I don't think, honestly, if I had to guess, I don't think either make the tournament. Yeah, that's probably the case. That's my prediction. Okay. Quick mid-major breakdown with two conferences. The Southern Conference and Conference USA. Start with the Southern. Josh, Chattanooga and Furman. What do you think these two teams can do if they get to March? And can some other team other than those two win this conference tournament? It's always a very competitive conference. And the winner usually produces at least a very scary first-round game against whoever they play. Yeah, I mean, we've seen other teams rise up. You've got big-name teams in Wofford maybe UNCG that make a final push, but I haven't been super impressed with either of these teams this year. Chattanooga did just go to Furman in a huge game on Saturday and won by six. That was huge for them. And they actually have swept them now on the season. So the mocks have been riding high. This team does not have a bad resume. You know, they lost two games to the top teams in the Ohio Valley at Belmont and Murray state. And in conference, they've only dropped two. They have some bad losses though in conference. Well, yeah, that's going to happen. You're in a really bad conference, but they're 22 and five. I think that you're primed for a 13 seed if you win out. Yeah, I agree. I think either team, though, is especially Chattanooga, capable of winning a game in March and would not, you do not want to play Malachi Smith uh, in Chattanooga in the locks if they no, get that. Um, okay. Conference USA. This conference being slept on. There are a few teams, like, there are a bunch of teams that could win the conference tournament. There are a few teams that I would not want to play in March, especially the Western Division, North Texas, UAB, and Law Tech. 
all really, really good teams. Quietly, North Texas, all they've done since the ESPN Invitational is win a lot of games. And UAB, also very talented, Jordan Walker, who's a mid-major All-American player of the year. So where, where do you see these games and these teams? And obviously, just quickly touch on the huge game Saturday, UAB versus North Texas. Yeah, UAB North Texas will be huge. North Texas only has one loss in conference all year, and it was at home to UAB. So this will be a huge test in Birmingham. I think La Tech is right there. I mean, when it comes down to these three teams, which it seems like it does more or less every year, give or take a couple others. I if I if any of those three teams make it to March, you should be on notice. North Texas beat Purdue in the first round last year. Any of these three teams are capable of doing it again. Yeah, I agree. UAB easily could do it. Law Tech with Kenny Lofton Jr. as well. He'll be a lottery pick. Very exciting to see him in action. Conference USA tournament will be in the state of Texas. I wish I could go, but I can't. Okay. Games to look as we wrap up the show. A little quick show, and then we'll have a longer one next week. Games to look forward to this weekend, Josh. What do you like on the board, especially this Saturday coming up? What games are you looking at? Alabama, Kentucky is going to be an absolute powerhouse of a game. Kentucky needs to come off of that tough loss to Tennessee. Alabama, welcome back to the AP poll. Almost lost to Mississippi State last night. Revved back to life. These two teams played a couple weeks ago in Tuscaloosa. Alabama was not able to score throughout this entire game. And clearly Kentucky's defense is vulnerable. We've seen that before. If Alabama starts shooting the lights out, anything's possible. You know, I would not be surprised if this Kentucky team took a little bit of a dip back to the earth before March begins. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky losing to Tennessee last week. I still very high on this team. I think they have final four national championship aspirations. Alabama, one of those weird teams when you get to March. How, how am I going to put them? What am I going to do with them in the bracket? I have no idea. You get their roulette wheel on a given night. The game I'm really looking at, because I'm, you know, obviously a huge mid-major fan, is the Drake-Liola game. Liola escaped again against Valpo last night. It's unbelievable with this team. They never cover. They never cover. It's incredible. Um, But they got to win the Missouri Valley if they want an at-large consideration. They have four more tests. you got to go three and one at least. If you go four and oh, I think you're a lock. Can do they have enough gas left on the pedal to get in that large? But it would be so good for the Missouri Valley, especially with Lyle leaving next year, if they could do it. But they got to be Drake, which they have already lost to this year. Yeah, they lost in Des Moines. That was a uh, the last time that I saw something that was pretty pleasant out of this Drake team. Talking about a team that's run out of gas, three consecutive losses to Northern Iowa, Missouri State, and at Bradley, which Loyola was susceptible to the same thing. I honestly think putting Loyola money line in any of your parlays on Saturday is pretty close to a lock. I would be shocked if Drake swept them this season. Wow. That very interesting. Not spread. Not Not spread. Money line. (laughs) Okay. I like it. And the last game we'll touch on Josh, because these two teams very interesting as well. And they could easily get out in the first round, not make the tournament or go on a run Marquette versus Craig. What do you see? I mean, these teams are, Really all over the board, right? We've seen Marquette sweep Villanova, but then lose at Butler last Saturday. Like, talk about a roulette wheel of a team. Both both Alabama and Marquette are 17 and 9 with some crazy quad one wins and some really 
questionable losses. I think this is a huge game for Creighton. Marquette, I'm still pretty comfortable with putting in the field. They're kind of in the 7-8 territory right now. But if I'm Creighton, I just came off of a nice cupcake weekend playing Georgetown twice. Going to play at DePaul tonight. That's going to be a pretty big game. But beating Marquette before you go to St. John's, to Providence, and then close out with home games against UConn and Seton Hall, like you can only buy so many wins in the Big East when it's this good this year. So that'll be a huge game to watch out for. Who do you like? It's tough. Honestly, I got to see tonight what Creighton does at DePaul. DePaul's been bad. They are bad, but they keep games really, really close, especially, especially in Wintrust Arena. Yeah. Yeah. For some weird reason. So in the, the spread, I think they're underdog Creighton tonight. So very interesting game. Creighton. Wow. True bubble team. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to put that on the board. Um, Creighton, true bubble team. They really need wins like tonight. You've got to beat DePaul, and then you go play Marquette at home. you got to beat the good teams at home, especially when you're right on the cusp line. I think, honestly, I think Marquette's going to win. I think Justin Lewis is a great player, and Shaka Smart, he's a great coach. And I think Marquette's going to be one of those teams in March where I see him making the Sweet 16. Wow. Shaka finally gets some some wins. You want to quickly touch on the game that I'm about to go to? Yeah, let's touch on it. I mean, I'm really impressed. Our good friend Josh Spaith is going to a mid-major huge game battle in the whack, the wild whack. So many good teams in this conference. He's going to Sam Houston State and Abilene Christian, the battle. It's in Huntsville, Texas. How amazing is it? Josh, I mean, I don't know. Tonight, honestly, I like the Bearcats. What do you think? I like the Bearcats a lot. I think one and a half is really good value, and I just hate Abilene Christian. So I'm really hoping that Sam Houston State can win that. Two teams that will be perennial contenders in this conference and definitely contenders for the rest of this year. The WAC is just beefed up top to bottom. The WAC tournament will be incredible, and this will be a great preview for me. Yeah, and Sam Houston State trying to hang on to any aspirations of winning the WAC title. They're one game back of both Seattle and New Mexico State, so they really need this win. And of all the conferences, this is probably the tournament that I'm most excited for. It's the weirdest bracket I've ever seen. We'll discuss it in a couple of weeks, but so many, I think six, seven teams could win this conference tournament in Vegas. No better place to play these games. So I'm very excited. I'm happy for Josh for going the game. See if the Bearcats can pull out a big dub. Obviously, Savion Flag transfer from AM. Watch out for him. Oh, yeah. Josh, any final thoughts as we go into another full slate of games happening this Saturday? And then next week, Josh, when we're on the show, it's the last week of the regular season for a whole load of mid-major teams and the second to last week for Power Fives. Yep. Monster, monster game for the Horns on Saturday. Tune in at 1130 on ABC. Can Chris Beard get revenge on his previous team after not doing so in Lubbock a few weeks ago? Should be an interesting test. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Enjoy all the college hoops action. It will be madness as it always is. For Josh, for myself, Adam, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.